0: As we uh, get into the second week of this sermon series called Beginnings, which is actually just the first um, part of this year long journey that we're on to walk through Scripture, um, we're going to build each week on what we've covered. Each week's going to have a kind of a theme that we're going to talk about that is important to the story and understanding the story of Scripture. And so we're going to build on what we talked about last week, um, which was the creation of the world. And when God created the world, His purpose for creation was that creation would serve as a sort of temple where he would come and live with us, where he would walk through the world and be with his people. And the entire creation would be our worship center, the place where we could come and honor and serve him. Um, But sin got in the way and messed a lot of that up. Now today, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about us and the why that we exist. Um, When I... Graduated high school, I got a job as a security guard. Which, and I know, I, I tell that to people and they're like, mm, Did you though? Like, and I'm not like, you know, I don't look like I could d- secure anything um, at all. You know, I can't. Um, I can barely get my car, kids' car seats in the car, so what am I? You know, what good am I? Um, but basically, all I was was that I was a weekend fire alarm. I went through the whole factory, through the week, this, at this factory, I would drive around on this little golf cart and I would just check to make sure nothing was burning down, make sure the ovens, or the furnaces, excuse me, were still on. They made uh, uh, auto parts, and so they had these furnaces and <clears throat> dies that they would cast, and so I just kind of did, that's what I did. It was, without a doubt, the most boring job I have ever had, because the way it would work is every hour on the hour, I would have to make a round through this factory, and then I would drive back to the little guard shack where I sat, and the, the trip on a you know on a slow day took like 15 minutes and then i had 45 minutes to sit and wait for my next round and i hated that job could not wait to do anything else but that job and and now i look back on it and after spending about 3 years just sitting in that dumb little guard shack hating it being bored out of my skull doing nothing you know counting lights and tile squares all of that And I look back on that time in my life, and I think, what a wasted opportunity that was for me. Because now it's like, I could be, I could have been reading the Bible, I could have been reading every book that I ever wanted to read. The problem was, at the time, I hated to read. I didn't like it. I didn't, I, I just found it to be boring. My love of reading didn't kick in until after I got out of college, really. And so, I think, man, I could have been doing so many things to grow my faith, to just grow myself, and I just look at that entire season of of my life as just a wasted opportunity, and I'd like to just go back in time and just smack myself in the back of the head and be like, come on, do something with these hours and hours that you're spending in this tiny little place. Now, what is unfortunate is I think a lot of us take these lives that we have, these, you know. 60, 70, 80, 90 years if we're lucky, and we waste so much of it on trivial, small things. And it's, it, it doesn't feel like a lot when we're doing it day by day, but over time that it adds up and we can, we can realize, wow, we have wasted hours and hours and hours. I was just listening to somebody talking about, um, making a, it was a leader, a church leader, a minister making the case for getting a good mattress. And he's like, you spend a third of your life in bed. Might as well enjoy it. I was like, third, a third of your life in bed. A third of your life. I was like, I don't spend, I mean, it doesn't feel like a third of my life. Especially because my kids wake us up like every hour on the hour. That kind of has been that way for a while. But for the most part, it's like, that's that's a lot of our lives. And if you watch, you know, so he said the average person is on social media, like, two and a half hours a day, three and a half, three hours a day, that that's like 15% of our lives that we're spending doing this? Like, it doesn't feel like a lot in the moment, but it's added up, and I think there's so much of our lives that we waste because we don't appreciate the gift that we have and the calling that we have by God in this world. And so today I want to talk about our purpose. Why are we here? Why do we exist? And and when we think purpose, there's a very easy tendency to think, okay, what am I personally put on this earth to do? And we make it very hyper-specific, you know. Um, You'll see movies about this all the time. Like someone will be like, I'm put on earth to play the violin. I'm here to be a painter. I'm here to be a musician. I'm here to be a doctor. I'm here to be a lawyer. Like we get these hyper-specific things. And let me just say, those things aren't our purpose, They are ways that we express our purpose, ways that we live out our purpose, but they are not our purpose. And so today I want to talk about the why of the human race. Why are we here? Like when God was going through the six days of creation, why did he end by making people? Why did he decide that we needed to be here? Why do we exist in the first place? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, um... I want to start by reading the, the, the verse about how humans were created. It's Again, this is the last thing God made of all the six days of creation. He gets to us, finally. It says, then, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God makes us, and then there's some very unique things about how he makes us that separates us from everything else that he's made. God says, let us make man in our image, that we, humankind, are made in the image of God. And I struggled for a long time, like, what does that mean to be made in the image of God? Well, if you look at, um, and you can go to parts of the world and still see this stuff today, but in the ancient world, um, these the various religions that existed, they would build a temple and then they would put in that temple a statue, usually a stone marble statue of the god that temple was for. And so you could go around and see temples to Zeus and, and Aphrodite and all of these ancient Greek and Roman gods. You would find a temple and there was always a big statue of this god's likeness. And this was supposed to represent that god's presence in that place. and. For us, we don't do that. We don't build temples. We don't build statues of what we think God looks like because God already made something in his likeness. Us. We are meant to be the living, breathing, walking, talking representatives of God on this earth. We are meant to show the world and other people what God is like by how we live our lives. And so when it comes to why do we exist, what is our purpose? It's not incredibly complicated, and it's revealed right there in the very first sentence of God creating humanity. And our purpose is to accurately represent God in the world. That's why I'm here, and that's why you're here. I'm here to show people what God is like. You are here to show people what God is like. And and you might think, wow, I'm not good at that. I'm real bad at that. Yeah, I'm lousy at it. I mean, most of the days, if I think, okay, to how I acted today showed my kids what God is like. You know, that's what quarantine life has been like. You know, it's not, I don't see a lot of people. I see my kids a whole lot, right? But, so it's like, okay, if my kids are getting their picture of God from how I acted today, yikes. I didn't do a great job today. If my wife is, is trying to figure out what God is like by how I've treated her today, yikes like there's just a ton of days where it's like I'm really really bad at living out this purpose and it's because what happens in the next few chapters in Genesis and we'll get to it next week is the fall it's what called what's called the fall that's where we decided as as a species essentially that we weren't going to follow God we weren't going to try to represent him in the world we weren't going to try to follow his way we were going to do our own thing we were going to be selfish we're going to live for ourselves what brings me comfort what brings me pleasure what gets me power and so we started living for those things and most of our lives that's what we do we wake up every day trying to be comfortable trying to feel more powerful to feel more valuable to feel you know like we are smart and correct and not dumb and wrong and foolish we do our live our lives for ourselves and that's when sin gets into this this purpose of, uh, 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 or gets in the way, when sin shows up, excuse me, it gets in the way of our purpose. And rather than living out how God wants us to live and showing the world what God is like, um, we start to hurt people. We start to use people to accumulate wealth and power for ourselves. We start to be concerned with being on top. This is how things like how even small town elections can get really nasty. Because, you know, we're not concerned about Showing God to the world and the God-like attributes to people. It's about, i got to win, and I'm going to win no matter what. And we get selfish, and we get angry, and we get power-hungry. In my my hometown, uh, it's a town of like 5,500 people. And in the last number of years, there was some small-town election um, where two people who were friends actually ended up running against each other. And guess what? They're no longer friends. Because the whole thing just devolved into this big, nasty, mud-slinging fight for this small town, small government position, and it was about being top of the heap. It wasn't about how can I serve the community. It wasn't about how can I be a good representative of God in those moments. It was about being top of the heap. Really small heap, but top of the heap. And it's interesting how when we let sin and selfishness get in the way, how much it hurts us, and it leads us to hurt other people. Um, it, it, it turns us You know, from being people who can serve others to being just totally, you know, blind to the needs of others. We get so inward focused. It's things like um, at your business, if you work, wherever you work, there's probably different departments. Sometimes, you know, the goal of a business, by the way, is for all those departments to work together in a way that makes everything healthy. But those departments will start getting turned into their own little kingdoms where they want to get more of the budget than the other departments. And they start hurting the other departments and trying to take from the other departments. And it's this side against that side, even though they're all part of the same organization, and it gets nasty, and there's mudslinging, and no one wants to take blame for things. Um, This is why we leave nasty comments on social media, mean, crude, horrible, hateful comments on social media, and then we walk away feeling like we made a meaningful difference in the world, because it didn't. It was just us getting something off our chests. This is how churches even can develop nasty cultures. You know, it's one of those things to think, oh, that a church could be a place where, where people are treating each other in really nasty ways and where leadership and, and pastors can be really poisonous and hurtful and selfish. But that can happen even in churches. Anytime we give sin and audience into our lives, into ourselves, it can change and get in the way of this amazing purpose that we are called to live. And so for a lot of people, we struggle to live as accurate representations of God. We struggle to be his likeness in the world. And fortunately, the story doesn't end with Genesis chapter 3 because the rest of the story of Scripture is God doing work to bring us back to him, to bring us back to a place where he can get the sin out of our lives and where we can truly shine as his image bearers. You know, it's kind of a, um, if you want to think of a flashlight you dropped in the mud, You know, if you drop it and it goes straight down, it could still be on, but you can't see the light. That's kind of what we are. We are dirty representations, and God wants to come in and clean the dirt off of us so that we can shine again, so that we can be useful and shine the light into our world. And and ultimately, the culmination of God's rescue plan to bring us back and clean us off comes with Jesus. Because Jesus came into the world not only to die for our sin and to take care of of the, the, the weight of our past mistakes, But when he died on the cross to take away the consequences of our sin, he also rose from the grave to defeat sin's hold on us and death's hold on us. So that not only could we be free from the past that we have, but we could also have a future of walking away from sin. Walking with Jesus. Of of living a life where we didn't have to make the bad choices anymore. But we could be free from that slavery to sin and ultimately start serving God the way he meant for us to again. And so, as Jesus, he not only came in the world to do all that stuff to us, but when he came into the world, what was so amazing was for the first time in human history, humans got to watch somebody perfectly be the image of God. Jesus was the perfect representation of this invisible God that people had been worshiping for centuries, and he showed people, this is what God is like. This is what God wants us to be like. This is what it means to be fully human, not Dirty, not marred by sin, not held back from your true purpose. This is what it means to be truly free of sin and to live out your purpose. And so Jesus gives us that example. And because of the example that he lays out for us, and because of the freedom that we have through his death on the cross, what we can do now as Christians is we can start to daily make decisions to put off that old sinful self, that can't follow and live out our purpose and to actually be true, full humans who live as image bearers of God. Um, one of the best pictures that we get of this in Scripture is in the book of Colossians, um, which is, we call it a book, it's really a letter written by a pastor to a church in a Roman town, and he, he explains to us this idea of putting off this old self, and that by the power of Christ and his Holy Spirit living in us, we can walk this new, amazing road. So Colossians chapter 3, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, "...sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self." with its practices. And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. The goal of putting off that old self is so that we can once again be an image of our creator. We can be the walk and talking, living, breathing representatives of God in our world, filling the world with the likeness of our Creator, and all of those things that were listed there—the sexual immorality, the passions, uh, the evil desires, the anger, the wrath, the malice—that all comes back to us just trying to get what we want, whether that's power, pleasure, comfort, money, whatever it is. All that—that selfishness—is the root of all of those things. And so we are to spend each and every day working to say no to those sinful desires, so that we can live out our purpose of being fully human. And then a few verses later, he goes on to say, okay, this is what you put off, right? Now, here's what you put on. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. The Bible, the New Testament has all these, I call them one another statements, love one another, serve one another. Bearing with one another is by far my favorite because it is an acknowledgement. that most people that we're going to interact with are just a pain in the neck. And it says, you're going to encounter people, they're annoying, they're frustrating, they don't think the way you think and live the way you think they should live, their laugh is annoying, whatever it could be, bear with them. Just put up with them. Live like Jesus. Love them the same. That's one of my favorite, favorite little commands in Scripture. So we're putting on all these things, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So we have these really high callings and not selfish callings. These are selfless traits that we are to put on, and and as Jesus modeled every single one of those for us to say, this is what God is like. You know, we think so often the most successful people are the ones that are conquer and rule and you know create and do all these grand things. You know, people often talk about. Um, And not to speak ill of the dead, but Steve Jobs was one of those people who creates the iPhone and all these things. He gets all this credit, right? But if you read the story of how he led those companies, man, he just plowed over people. He just destroyed people to set up this. Like, that's not the image. We hold these people up as, man, what a success. That's not success as God rates and measures success. Success is serving humbly sacrificing, dying to yourself, dying sometimes even, as Jesus showed us, to your own sense of self-preservation so that the world might be blessed and might see the goodness of God. And so that is our purpose every day, to be an image bearer of God. And if you want an example uh, to follow, the example is Jesus. He showed us what it meant to be fully human. He served, he sacrificed, he gave, he cared. He prayed for. He prayed for people and helped people until he just had to go off and take a nap. That's, a, that's that's also one of my favorite parts of scripture is to learn. Oh, it's okay to take a nap. Jesus did it. If Jesus did it, maybe I can do it. And so, if you want to, by the way, if you don't believe me, read the book of Mark and pay attention to how many times Jesus goes off by himself after being just after just serving people to the point of exhaustion. And and that that idea of of just pouring your life out for others. That's the image that we get from God, and that's what it means to be fully human, fully human, not marred by sin, not weighed down by sin, not obstructed from being able to shine the light of God in our world. And so we do that by pointing ourselves outwards, and you can do that in the smallest of ways, when we talk about purpose, we often, again, think of those grand th- things that people have done to change the world, the, the Alexander Graham Bells inventing uh, the telephone, um, we, we think of the Mother Teresas, we think of these people who like, left a huge imprint on a global scale. But we live out the image of God just by interacting in our everyday lives. You can do it if you're a parent, by loving your children well, by pointing them to the, the wisdom of God. You can do it as a husband or a wife by loving your spouse and serving them, making your day's goal not to get your comfort but to serve them and to bless them. You can do that at work by caring for your coworkers, by giving away credit, and by honestly taking blame and by serving those under your authority, not passing the buck to those under your authority. You can do this by even, yes, using those tablets, those tab- talents and habits there we go those talents and habits and and gifts that god has given you yes you can do that by creating art and music and things that highlight the beauty of god's creation and the beauty of our uh, and power of our amazing god you can do it by all of those things but the point that we have in our world the the purpose of our lives is to reflect the goodness of our god and i think because of sin and the way it grabs us and the way selfishness is so incredibly intoxicating, I think the only way we're ever gonna be able to truly live out our purpose is when we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, is when we surrender our lives to him, be washed clean by his salvation, when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to give us strength and purpose, uh, strength and power, excuse me, to say no to sin, to put off the nasty stuff and to put on the traits of God. I think only with Christ can we truly live The purpose that God gives us. And so, long story short, as much as we want it to be, God didn't make the world for you. And God didn't put you in the world for you. And it's very easy to spend our lives wasting our time, wasting and floundering, giving away our purpose. Because we were too busy just trying to be comfortable. Trying to have the cars that we wanted, the houses that we wanted, to have, you know, Uh, the the quiet moment that we want to I talk about this all the time but my personality I thrive when I can just sit in the quiet that just is so good and my children have utterly robbed that from my life they are such wild loud chaotic people every time we'll FaceTime my parents almost every time my mom will say "Ooh, it's busy at your house yeah it is it's always busy at our house but I'm going to, I said this to our family yesterday, and I'm just going to pass this out. This is just a free parenting tip or a grandparenting tip your kids come over. This was, a, this was a discovery we made yesterday that might have just changed the course of our lives. Our kids are watching one of the million YouTube videos that they like to watch that Abby and I aren't exactly into. And we have a Roku box, right? And so there's a Roku app that you can get for your phone. And there's a little headphone button on the app, and when you click it, the sound turns off on the TV, and the sound starts coming out of the phone. And then if the kids put headphones into the phone, they can hear the TV and watch the TV, but nobody else can. And they were sitting there, James and Jude, perfectly quiet, watching this video, and I just was like, what in the world? Even Eleanor walked up to me, and she's like, it's really quiet in here. And I was like, I know, isn't it wonderful? I don't even remember what I was talking about in my sermon because I got caught up with all that. But but no, what I'm saying is like that's kind of the environment that I thrive in. And so one thing I kind of want from me is Just be quiet. Bring the volume down a little bit. Bring the chaos down a little bit. But that's not the purpose of my day. And I can get really caught up making that the purpose of my day. You do this. Be quiet. Don't hit. Don't clean up the mess. I can get lost in that. But that's not my purpose. My purpose is to be an image bearer of God. To shine the light of his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control to shine those traits to the world to inter- when in every interaction i have with people to shine those things and he put us here not for ourselves but for each other and for him and when we embrace our mighty purpose of making the world a better place by blessing each others that's when our life takes on true significance and true meaning and you know our world in many ways is going to try to tell us that we're all here by accident that There is no purpose, there is no significance to the human life, and so we're just here to make our way through our own little time and then die and disappear, but I don't think that's true. I think we do have a purpose, and I think our purpose is to be an image bearer of God. And you know, It doesn't make sense to me that there would be no purpose, because it's like, why then is every human being so hungry for meaning? Why are we so hungry to know that we matter? Why are we so desperate to know that our lives have meaning if they never did, if it was all just happenstance and coincidence? No, the reason we want to feel that purpose is because God gave us a purpose. He made us in his image to reflect his likeness to the world, and the reason so many people are living their lives looking for purpose, desperate for purpose, even Christians are missing out on it, is because we've lost this very essential thing that's right there in the first chapter of the Bible, that we are meant to reflect the image of God. The opening pages of Scripture reveal the true reason for our existence, to shine the light of our God to the world. And yeah, we're not going to do good at it most days. I'm, the, I'm just the worst a lot of the time. But by the grace of God, each day I can tell myself I'm going to put off that old and I'm going to put on this new way of walking in Jesus and living in his footsteps because there is no better example of of God's likeness than Jesus. And so every day, we as works in progress can get on up and hope that we can do it better than yesterday and hopefully by the power of the Spirit living in us can walk forward and shine the light of Christ. So let's get to work doing that. Stop living for yourself. Your, Your life is too small a thing to waste your time on. We are here to serve and to reflect God in our world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here as your people. You created this world to be your temple, and you created us to be the likeness in your temple. And I pray that that as we wake up tomorrow morning, that we would take that seriously, that we would be people who decide, okay, today I'm not gonna live for me and my selfish desires and my wants and my cravings and my comfort but I'm going to be here to live for you and to shine and to show people who you are and what you're like. Help us, Father, as your church, to, to carry on this amazing work that Jesus did when he lived on our planet, that he, he walked and, and everywhere he went gave people a taste of what you were like. And I pray that everywhere we go, we can give people a taste of what you're like. We can show people in an honest picture of the God of the universe, a picture of love and grace and mercy that maybe they've never known. That they, we can be people who are peacemakers, who, who aren't in the world to, to gain something from it, but we are in the world to give to it. And that's a, an entirely different perspective from almost everyone else on the planet. And so I pray that we would not neglect the purpose that you've given us to shine your light, to reflect your image to the world. So help us, Heavenly Father by your grace, your mercy, and by the power of your Holy Spirit living in us to accurately shine your light to the world and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. It's in his amazing name that we pray. Amen. Amen.